0: Thank you so much for joining the Dr. Whisperer podcast show. I am your host, Sharon Fekety, and you are here to listen to others talk about the business of medicine. Don't forget to subscribe, share it with somebody else that is in the business of medicine so we can all learn together. Thank you Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Whisperer Show, or welcome back to the Dr. Whisperer Show. And for all of you that have been watching and following for a while, you know that this girl right here loves nothing more than talking about hospitality and healthcare just hospitality in general. Um, it has been the cornerstone of how I have run medical practices in the past and has always been. The influence that I try to engage all of the clients, physicians, uh, healers of all kinds through the years. But but this man that I will be bringing to this show today is no other than Stowe Shoemaker, who um, served as the dean of William Hara College of Hospitality at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas for 10 years and has done so much more. And does so much more, and we will get into that, but let me first uh welcome you to the show, Stowe. Thank you so much for being here.
1: well, it's an honor to be here and I, I I love listening to your podcast and just very flattered that you asked me to be on
0: oh my goodness i I think I scared the hell out of Peter when I had him on because I was so sad and such a fan girl. I'm like uh if, if somebody asked me who are the people that you want to meet? I'm like, anybody and everybody in hospitality, please." <laughs> because I think the, the the best business leaders that I've ever learned from have been in this industry, and, um, and I want to get into that with you. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. I Absolutely. Have, yeah, I have placed um, this am- amazing book, uh, as you are the co-author of Hospitable Healthcare, Just What the Patient Ordered. Yes. Instead of my own book. That's how much I love your book. So thank you. Thank you. Great job. And um, this has been something so near and dear to my heart for so long. I did a hospitality and healthcare course online a few years ago. I've taught it at conferences and workshops. But I'm just thrilled that um, two individuals such as yourself and Peter have gotten together to help the industry that has been near and dear to my heart for so long. So thank you.
1: No, it's, we're glad you liked the book, and we really hope your listeners will, will like it and read it and and find some good wisdom in it. You know, the real focus, of course, is is how do we make patients feel like loved family members? That was really the focus of the book.
0: And that is that has been done and delivered in this book. I can assure you of that. I tell everybody that I know to read this book. Anybody that wants to run a successful business doesn't even have to be. In hospitals and uh, private offices, anybody that is in the healing industry, the reason that I uh, have become the Doctor Whisperer and are the Doctor Whisperer is to ultimately help the patient.
1: Mm-hmm. We want. What's well, the- interesting when um, so when I I did research when I was at the University of Houston, at one point I had a joint appointment at MD Anderson Cancer Center, mm-hmm. and that's really where we did the huge research to really figure out how in a major cancer center can we really become patient focused. Mm-hmm. And when we were doing the research, we started asking people, are you clients? Are you um, patients? Are you guests? How do you think of yourself? And my wife, who did her PhD at Texas a and really did a lot of the qualitative research. And when she was talking to people, they said, that she kept hearing, we're loved family members. We want to be treated like loved family members. Mm-hmm. And so in all the research that we've done with, with MD Anderson, that became our dependent variable. That became the thing we wanted to measure. Did the patient feel like a loved family member? And that's kind of been the terminology that's taken on, is that they are loved family members coming to get help. And as we wrote the book, we kept thinking about what are the things that will make people feel like loved family members. Oh my
0: goodness is so needed um i i love that you've also um you know learned from other industries how to improve your own and uh and i have had that same mindset for so long now in in all the years that i've been in the healthcare industry i've never ever once become a member of any healthcare association or attended the conferences that were just solely based on healthcare because I've learned the most from collaborating with great minds from other spaces, and mm-hmm. I, I think that that is very, very needed and very necessary in healthcare to learn from from people in, in other industries to to improve their own. What what would you say to that? What has been um, uh, great understanding, and how did you weave that into into the school that you were dean at for so long? Well,
1: I think what we what we did is, is really when you think about, there's there's a couple of things that we, we think about in terms of hospitality, and 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 where we what we can learn from other industries, and when we think about if we we don't think so much about being in the hospitality industry, we're in the experience business. How do we create great experiences? And if you look in fine arts, right, we we, we created a course at UNLV, basically on dinner theater where students in our college ran kind of the food and beverage, and they worked with the theater people to put on what dinner theater was. And so you learn about, well, what is it that theater has been doing to create a great experience with an audience? We take a look at at engineering, and you look in Las Vegas, we have Cirque du Soleil, which involves so much engineering. How do we bring engineering principles into hospitality to create that, like, wow experience? And so we I've always been in the approach that if we focus on sort of what are we doing to create great experiences, then we can open our minds into all the different things that, that help do that. And I, and I learned this a long time ago when I was in the hotel business in Vermont, when I read a very famous article by a Harvard Business School professor. Um, it was called Marketing Myopia by Ted Levitt. And he talks about why, how firms become myopic in their thinking. And the example that he gave was that people don't buy quarter-inch drill bits. They buy quarter-inch holes, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the drill's Mm -hmm. into the the wall. So, you're really buying a quarter-inch hole. He said, you know, people don't buy insurance, but they buy protection. Mm -hmm. And um, Charles Revlon, the famous cosmetic maker, said, on the factory floor, I make cosmetics. In the department stores, I sell hope. Mm-hmm. And when I thought about that, well, and being in the hospital hotel business, what are we really in? right? We're not in the hotel business. we're just providing a place to sleep, but we're providing much more than that. And so when we looked at when we look at education and we look at healthcare it's the same thing. What are we trying to do? Mm-hmm. Certainly, there's the component that says we need to take care of the person and make them well. But not only are they going there to get well, but how they judged all of that relates a lot to the hospitality that they received, because you can't really tell whether you're getting good care. But you can know if your blanket is cold and if your nurse doesn't smile at you, right? And so that's a, when I was thinking about this, with, when I was working with MD Anderson and Memorial Herman in Houston, really began to think about how do we How do we bring some of these other principles, not just hospitality, into this field of healthcare?
0: And it's so needed. You know, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the conversation I just had before this one today. I was interviewing a a nurse practitioner who went into business on her own. She started out as a nurse in a hospital, uh, went on to become a nurse practitioner, and she shared about how by the time she got into the hospital, she not only hated herself, but she hated everyone around her. She Mm -hmm. had been so uh, disappointed in the system of the hospital and how there were so many inefficiencies, which would ultimately lead to really bad care for the patient. And if we reverse engineer all of that, why do people get into the healthcare industry? You know, a physician doesn't think when he's dreaming about becoming a doctor when he's little that he's going to have to deal with, you know, administrators and meeting a deadline or thinking about real estate as to where he's going to place um, his business. We think they, the dream is like we're going to heal people, right. and then. Then comes along the business, and if all of these systems that that are, are are dysfunctional within the people that work in them end up really delivering poor care to the patient, so you're a hundred percent right. You know that experience that everybody is having from the time they look on the internet to the phone call to walking in and filling out the paperwork—it all has to be. A, a system that benefits that family member, aka yes. coming through the door.
1: Yes, and I think what one of the things that I want your listeners to really know is that when you think of you know bringing hospitality principles into healthcare, the first thought is, oh, we're going to provide you know first class service to people who are paying their own money and have lots of money, and we're not going to care about anybody else. And and what we've really stressed throughout the book is that the principles that we've laid out in the book work whether you're in a hospital system that only takes care of Medicare patients or whether you're taking care of self-payers. And we use examples from the hospitality industry where you can get a great experience at a La Quinta or a Hampton Inn. And you can get a great experience if you're staying at a Ritz-Carlton in the Four Seasons. So what are the principles that Hampton Inn has done to provide a great experience? What is it that the Four Seasons has done? And how can we narrow that down and bring it, bring it into healthcare? And, and the other thing, going back to your comments earlier about you know, hating themselves and hating the people they work with, part of that is you know, we all get into serv- a service industry because we want to serve. Right. We want to take care of people. We're empathetic. Right. right? And and so what happens is when we what I've found in the research I've done is when you become unhappy with your coworkers, when you become happy with yourself is because you can't see that the patient that what you're really doing is you're taking care of patients. Right. Mm -hmm. And so and a lot of that is because we do have systems in place and and all of that. But what we argue in hospitality, we have systems in place too, but we've learned how to create not workarounds, but how to incorporate within the systems that we have to have so that at the end of the day, we're still giving the guest a great experience. At MD Anderson, we still made the patient feel like a loved family member, so they're happier, the staff are happier, then the person becomes happier because they know they really are making a difference in someone's life. And I think following the principles in our book, you can be able to do that.
0: Oh, you can. (laughs) These (laughs) principles work. I can promise you all that. There was another thing I really loved. I was sharing with you earlier that I I watched an interview that you did. And you were talking about, um, this really resonated with me, about the MBA, the mop bucket attitude. Yes. You tell everybody about their MBA.
1: So this was actually, this was a great story um, by the um, founder of Wendy's who came to Cornell and gave a talk. And he was with all these um, students and um, he he talked about how he, you know, he didn't believe in MBAs in education, Mm -hmm. but he believed in MBAs. And everybody was kind of, well, what, what does that mean? And he goes, a mop bucket attitude which really says that no matter what level in the organization you are, you're responsible for providing a great customer patient experience. And it's simple as things. You can always tell a great hotelier when you're in a hotel and you see someone from leadership bending down to pick up a piece of paper, right? And I was at a major healthcare system recently and, you know, they were showing off all their beautiful facilities and talking about how they were doing all this great stuff. And then I looked in the waiting room and there was like paper on the floor, you know, and they just kind of walked by it and they were talking to me. And and I said, I, so I stopped them and I said, you know, if you really want to think about hospitality, it's we as leaders have to bend down and we have to pick that up because on our staff, she's us doing that. And it reminds them that they have to do that. So that mop bucket attitude says there's no job that I can't do as long as it takes, helps provide a better experience for the person we're looking after. Mm -hmm. And, And I've loved that, that attitude. Oh, I love it too.
0: I mean, I think about it just with parenting, you know, there are many people today that don't understand why their children you know, do certain things. And I, you know, they will model after. Yeah. So if you don't want your child to be addicted to the phone, maybe you should put the phone down yourself instead of telling them (laughs) to do it. Right. I mean, leadership, that is exactly it. Like be the example instead of, you know, continuously lecturing, show the people that you are willing if you follow the Dr. Whisperer Show that you know I am a firm believer in hospitality in healthcare, I am a firm believer in hospitality in all things, and in my opinion, the absolute best hospitality I've ever received in the banking industry is Valley Bank. I recommend Valley Bank to all of my friends, clients, physicians, healers, therapists, They are very community oriented. They support the community. They know how important it is for entrepreneurs, new business owners to get the funding that they need to make their dreams come true. So if you are looking for an exceptional, exceptional bank, look no further. Valley Bank is the one. When I, 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 the last practice that I ran, we had 33 women. And that was a much smaller organization than what I had left in New York with over 200 employees. And I put myself on the kitchen cleanup schedule. And, you know, I was the boss. But I put myself on Fridays. And I remember, you know, because we had this thing hanging up in the kitchen. And I remember one of the girls coming to me and saying, you know, Sharon, you you don't have to do that. And I said, but, like, I want to do that. I I want to be a part of I want to show everybody here that we are all the same. Yeah. And and the way to really create that um that culture that everybody wants to improve in their organizations you you know starting with the leaders I just don't think it's talked enough about. And when you and I have had the great pleasure when you say you heard this great story you know, from the leaders of Wendy's. And when Horace was sharing that, you know, he was in the room and the CEO of Chick-fil-A was talking about my pleasure. I I didn't know that. We get to hear these wonderful, wonderful stories about how these organizations become what they are today. And it is because of great leadership.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and the leaders and reinforce that throughout the organization. Um, When I, the work I, I did at MD Anderson, I mean, it was really revolutionary at the time. It was it was around two thousand, probably around two thousand nine, two thousand ten, where I, I had a joint appointment to really, you know, help figure out how do we change diagnostic imaging. And what happened was we did all this amazing research and we it was all scientifically based. We did test and control and but we really started with we started talking with employees. And and the story I love is I was talking to the the radiologists, the doctors, and they said, you know, well, when we send them down to the uh, technicians for the rate, the pictures, you know, we run into all these areas. So when I started to do the focus group with the technicians, I used the term technician. Hmm. And they said, we're not technicians. Technicians fix toaster ovens, we're technologists. And so we changed that framework. So then all the doctors started calling in technologists. And when we worked with the with the, the support staff, the nurses, we said, let's really talk about what. how do you want to create a great experience? Let's figure out. I gave them a theoretical framework, kind of like the payer model, to think about creating a great guest experience. So they really got excited about it. Mm. So I've always kind of believed, you know, Cider House rules, right? He who makes the rules doesn't live in the cider house. Right. And we, that's from, you know, the famous author. And we just kind of totally reversed that and said, let's start from the bottom up. What is it that the employees need to do to create a great experience for the guests? And our role as management is to do whatever we can to supply that and get out of their way. And we really changed the culture. And then my friend who I worked with, who's head of diagnostic imaging, Became the interim president, at Anderson, and so he was able to continue that culture because he had seen how it worked, and he it transferred through the organization, and it's still, you know, happening today, even though the research was done ten years ago. So that's really exciting.
0: It is exciting. It is exciting. Um, I can't stress enough uh, about how, you know, getting in there and getting your hands dirty. Yes. Is is key to really understanding how something works. And I learned that lesson myself in my twenties when so I it was right after nine eleven. And I had been a project manager in a telecommunications company in Manhattan. And um I was fearful about going into the city and I I took this side job at New York Medical. I never thought I would ever end up in, in the medical industry, especially since I was working as a project manager in telecommunications. And I got this just side job, just verifying insurance. And before you know it, they had offered me a job. And um, and the, the best part about my now looking back, right, with these transferable skills I would have never understood how valuable it was that I started in that company verifying medical insurance. That was my introduction into New York Medical. And to become director of operations, and there's 11 offices and 42 satellite offices, I knew how it worked from verifying the insurance all the way through all of the departments. So that never left me, and it -hmm. it still lives inside of me today, that if you really want to know how to improve your processes and how to improve your organization, getting feedback from the people that work within the organizations is, is really key to, to success. Do you agree? No, absolutely. my am absolutely. I soapboxing over here, Stowe? No, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely
1: correct. Um, when I first started in the hotel business, I ran a contest with the employees and I said, tell us, Let's have the best story of what you're hearing from the guests. Mm-hmm. And what should we do then to fix that story that they're telling, whether it's a complaint or whether it's a good thing? Because you, mm-hmm. you see stuff, you hear stuff, and then you never you just go home with it, right? And we really created this culture in the hotel business of tell us what guests are speaking. What are they saying? Even as the dean of the hospitality college. I mean, I, when I, I was in consumer research, that's all we did was talk to customers all the time about or their likes and dislikes about the companies we were working for, but even as the dean, I would always stop students in the hallway. Hey, tell me about your classes. What do you like? What don't you like? What can we do better to make your experience here at UNL be better? And and but we get such incredible feedback, and and organizations that work for that, it's really important. This one of the things we talk about in the book is 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 sort of the you know part of the model is really to is to ask guests when they're leaving. Don't just give them the bill and say, when's your next appointment? Hey, did we give you a good service today? Yeah. Right. So feedback is critical.
0: It is so critical. And I think that there sometimes is such a fear to hear what your the people that work with you say, what your market is saying about you. But mm-hmm. um, we can assure you that that is the best way to improve.
1: Absolutely. There's a there was a famous book written, I can't remember what well, was it famous in my eyes, um, called The Complaint is a gift. Mm. And um it was just a great book, but the saying itself is great. A complaint is a gift. It's saying a complaint says, I'm telling you what I wanted that I didn't receive. And the fact that I care about you as an organization, I care about you as a person, I'm telling you why this is not working for me. And if we take that approach, then we go, okay, I've been married 42 years. And I think the reason is, is because we have that complaint as a gift mentality, right? We don't just ignore it and walk away, but we talk about our issues. And when, as employees, and management has to be in a position that says, yes, I wanna hear an employee come to me and say, hey, I messed up, but this is how I'm gonna fix it. If management doesn't wanna hear complaints, then they'll never hear any complaints, right? But if management says we want to hear complaints, and, and in the book, we talk about Hampton Inn, where they came up with a 100% guarantee. If you're not happy, we'll pay you for your room. And suddenly, people, be, we've improved the processes. Guys in your health, we mentioned this in the book, has a 100% guarantee. If you're not happy with the service you received, or you're not getting better, then we'll make adjustments on your bill. And that's like really one of the first in healthcare to really come up and say a performance
0: guarantee in healthcare.
1: <sighs> that's really thinking outside of the box.
0: I mean, so like really unbelievable. Um, I can't believe I'm going to share this on the show right now, but why not? I shared it on social media. I uh, recently had my first colonoscopy. We're going there, still, so, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I was so blown away by the incredible surgery center from the girl that was at the front desk to the anesthesiologist, to the nurses, um, to the physician, of course, that I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to write a review because mm-hmm. because of this reason, which is very sad because it's so rare. Yeah. It's yes. so rare. And, and, and I think that there is hope in that statement that there are places out there that do exist like that. But you could tell that there was time spent on training, on repeating processes, on following up. I got a phone call the very next day to see how I was doing. it was It was very systematic, but it felt I felt like family
1: snow, yeah and and that's you know one of our, our part of our model is antici- you know the anticipation and anticipation yeah. means putting yourself in the patient's feet and saying what are they thinking about right we your surgery center probably did 100 colonoscopies that day they had so, done 16 before me yeah and and so you're just another person coming in but you know, as, as on the Allie and Field show, she once said, someone said, why are your problems so more important than others? And she goes, because they're mine, mm-hmm. right? And so if, for you as a patient, it's your first full of the day. Right. And maybe ever like it was for you. So you've got all this and you're just nervous. Is all this, what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And the more we can and reduce that level of anxiety, whether it's be through the atmospherics, the training, the engagement, the better the experience, just like you had. Now you're going to go out and tell people what you've been doing. And now people are going to start asking you, Hey, who was your doctor? Where was that done? And then they're going to see that that value word of mouth is going to translate into future business, future revenue, excuse me. And it's going to be very successful.
0: Yeah. You know, um, I have a character. Her name is Miserable Mary Stowe, and I have done videos. and I'm so excited that I I did this video with my dad, who has that really great Irish accent. Yeah. And I pretended I was the you know the Miserable Mary at the front desk and told him to sign in and wasn't paying any attention to him and threw the clipboard at him. And and I I did this because I I want to showcase so strongly that it is that first impression that will never leave that person that is coming through the door. It doesn't even matter if you have a great physician, a great nurse, a great technologist. If you have a bad experience anywhere within that practice or within that hotel, you won't forget it. And that's why most people leave. So to just go back to what you were saying before, if people get the, great opportunity of somebody being willing to tell them the complaint so there's an opportunity to fix it, you're golden. Yes. Right? If you don't get that opportunity, you'll never know. Exactly. And and
1: then, you know, the services literature, we talk about what we call the kind of the dimensions of service quality because you can never really tell if you're getting great quality, but you know when you're not. And so we talk about what we call the rater system which is reliability, assurance, tangible, empathy, and responsiveness. Mm -hmm. And so with every time that a, a patient or a guest or anybody interacts with an employee of the organization or with the organization, we call that a moment of truth. That's where the rubber hits the road. So with every interaction, how can the employee somehow show that they're reliable, somehow show they're empathetic, right? somehow show that their responsiveness and work that into their regular routine. So now all of a sudden they go, wow, it was an incredible experience. We didn't do anything different than we've always done, but we, we showed them we were responsive. So when they come in, we say, oh, you know, Dr. Shoemaker, it's great to have you back. I'm sure, you're, I'm sure you're not ready to do this, but let me tell you, we did 16 before and everything, doctor had a great night's sleep and they're ready to go suddenly that kind of approach, right? And the response, when, I, when they called you back, they showed they were very responsive. And by incorporating that radar system, every moment of truth,
0: it starts making people feel happier. Absolutely. So before we wrap up this interview that I never want to end, because I could talk about this for hours on end, do you still want to be a hockey player?
1: I I know because I see how abused they get and how they play with like broken limbs and everything. But I I did love when I was at Middlebury College, when when I lived in Vermont, I was the voice of Middlebury College and Middlebury High School hockey.
0: So I traveled
1: all over New England covering hockey games. So if I had one thing I could do, I would love to have been a hockey announcer calling games.
0: No (laughs) way. <laughs> who is your
1: team? Well, my team now, well, growing up, my team was the Philadelphia Flyers back in the Fred Shiro days uh, but my team now, of course, has to be the the Golden Knights um wow. who are just incredible and really an incredible organization. I've gotten to know some people within the organization and just really first class in terms of how they run this the organization and really what they've done to las Vegas um. You know, now we don't have enough ice rinks in Las Vegas. So the Golden Knights Foundation is building ice rinks. They're getting young girls to play ice hockey. And they really transformed this place in the desert into a hockey mecca. Um, So that would be my goal to go back to announcing.
0: I love it. And who knows what's in your future? Right. Right now it's all about patient
1: experience. And and really, you know, I do encourage the readers to, to read the book and realize that The principles, or payer model, really, no matter who's paying and how they're paying, can be used to increase, make patients feel like loved family members. So don't let the word hospitality scare you. No. It's great, great experiences.
0: Yes. So again, I would encourage everybody to pick up a copy of hospitable health care, just what the patient ordered. All of the links will be in the show notes. I would, it's my, my top recommendation. I couldn't recommend it more. You and Peter have done such a great job and I appreciate all that you do to help us all be better leaders. Thank you so much for your time today, Stu.
1: Thank you. It was great being on the show and
0: have a happy holiday season. You too. Remember, if you are looking for a bank that supports you and your community and supports women, check out Valley Bank. Valley Women of Business, it's a thing.